so the narrative I heard was like, well, you'll take out loans so you can afford to go to school. You'll get a job and you'll pay them back. But of course, I graduated in 2011, which was the aftermath of the recession. And no one cared about my degree in English. And jobs were changing and the workplace was changing. That path of take out the loans, get the job, open a 401k, pay back the loans, it wasn't really there anymore. You're listening to Financial Grown-Up with me, certified financial planner, Bobby Rebel, author of How to Be a Financial Grown-Up. And you know what? Being a grown-up is really hard, especially when it comes to money. But it's okay. We're going to get there together. I'm going to bring you one money story from a financial grown-up, one lesson, and then my take on how you can make it your own. We got this. Hey, grown-ups! if you are like me, you love to read, but if we're being honest, it doesn't happen. The time just flies and the intention does not become reality. So do what I do. Get the intel you want in a way that matches your schedule. I recently started using the Blinkist app and I love it. It puts the content of books that you wanna read into powerful summaries called blinks, usually just a minute at a time. A whole book can be 15 minutes-ish, just like this podcast, right on your favorite device. Text or audio totally fits your lifestyle. I am obsessed. Go to bobbyrebell.com forward slash Blinkist for a free trial and to support the show. Google has become a verb. And for our guest, Kara Perez of Bravely Go, and also of the Ferrisons podcast, which she co-hosts with Tanya Hester, who's been a guest here at the podcast, Googling led to the solution that got Kara out of what she calls her quarter life crisis. Like so many millennials, she was weighed down by a ton of student debt, pretty much equal to what she made in an entire year. Just kind of think about that for a second. Yeah, it's kind of exhausting. Welcome, everyone. Thank you for investing your time with us. Before we get to Kara, I just want to do a quick thank you to all of you for the reviews that you have left. If you haven't left a review, we really need them. That's one of the best ways to get the word out. So if you can, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts or whatever platform you are listening to this on. Don't be shy. Spread the word. Tell your friends, family, coworkers, whomever you think would enjoy the podcast so we can continue to grow it. And thank you again. Let's get to our guest. So I first met Cara Perez when she came to New York. We met up for coffee and I was instantly impressed with all she had accomplished. She totally blew me away. Since then, I've gotten to know her a bit more over the past couple of years. We recently hung out in her hometown of Austin. She is a powerhouse. She makes it all look so easy. Heading up her own financial education company called Bravely Go and hosting as I mentioned earlier, one of my favorite podcasts, The Fair Sense. But when you hear the backstory to all the success, like I did, which I didn't know until recently, you will adore her even more. Here is Cara Perez. Hey, Cara Perez, you're a financial grown-up. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. You are one of the hosts of one of my very favorite podcasts, The Fair Sense, you're also the founder of Bravely Go. So before we get to your money story, which kind of leads to all of this anyway, we're going to be one big logical circle for this episode. Tell us a little bit about Bravely Go and the Ferris Sense podcast. Absolutely. Bravely Go is my financial education company. So we host pop-up financial events around the US. Uh, we'll be in Boston this summer. We'll be in Miami this fall. I try to say that Bravely is actionable and accessible financial 
advice and education because so much of the money talk out there is really dense, it's really boring, and it feels really foreign. So we try to make everything as simple and as actionable so that you can change your financial life ASAP. And the podcast is myself and my friend, our friend, Tanya Hester. And we talk about women and money in broad societal strokes. So rather than 10 ways you can save money at the grocery store, we talk about things like how can women be allies to each other in the workplace? And what does that mean for all of our money? So that's how I spend my time. (laughs) And by the way, the podcast is so well produced. It's really, I'm sincere in saying it is my go-to. And I wish you would do it more often. It is in seasons, but they're really high quality episodes. So I encourage everyone to check it out. This all came as a result of a quarter-life crisis and a Google search that is the basis for the money story that you're going to share with us. Go for it. Yes. So let me paint you a picture. I'm 26. I'm living in Austin, Texas. The year is 2014. And I am crying about money every day because I don't have any and I have a lot of student loan debt and it's ruining my life. (laughs) Okay. But just paint the numbers. What do the numbers look like? Yeah. So in 2014, I made $18,000. I graduated college in 2011 with $25,302. So flash forward back to 2014, I still had a little over $18,000 in debt. So my income is equivalent to my debt. I'm making between $800 and $1,100 a month working as a caterer for $12 an hour and as an MMA gym receptionist for $9 an hour. So the money is not really there. (laughs) Right. And how did you feel? Oh, I felt awful. I just was very much so treading water, if not falling backwards. I had to put one of my student loans, I had five separate student loans. I had to put one of them into deferment because I couldn't make payments on it. I just didn't have enough money. And I was living in Austin, Texas with three roommates. I was trying to be frugal, but it was just the numbers quite literally did not add up. And I felt trapped because I didn't know anything about money. I didn't know how to use what I had. I didn't know how to get more of it. And I had no idea how to tackle my debt. It just felt like a weight on my shoulders every day. And I I just want to dial back a little bit. How did the debt come about in that when you were taking it out, did you receive any financial education in the schools? Was it federal loans? Were they private loans? Were you consolidating them? What did this debt look like? Yeah, I had five student loans total. Four of them were public. One was private and zero financial education. I mean, God bless my mom in many ways, but growing up, we didn't talk about money except for the fact that we didn't really have a lot. Single parent household. I have two siblings And it was just very much so like, no, we can't get that. We don't have the money for it. Not, hey, here's what the budget looks like. And here's how much we're spending on rent. So we can't spend such and such. You know, I just didn't have that breakdown. And in college, I also didn't get that breakdown. And so the narrative I heard was like, well, you'll take out loans so you can afford to go to school. You'll get a job and you'll pay them back. But of course, I graduated in 2011, which was the aftermath of the recession. And no one cared about my degree in English and jobs were changing and the workplace was changing. That path of take out the loans, get the job, open a 401k, pay back the loans, it wasn't really there anymore. And so it was just a whole lot of, what am I doing (laughs) in my mid-20s? So what was the Google search for? What did you search on Google for? Quite literally, how to pay off student loans faster. And what did you find? 
what was amazing was that I a bunch of people who were blogging about personal finance popped up, and now I'm friends with many of those people. I fell into the world of personal finance blogging where people were sharing their own stories in very casual ways of, hey, we're trying to pay off $100,000 in medical school debt, or we're saving to buy our house in cash. And I thought, okay, this story features a, a cop and a teacher. Like, If they can do it, I can do it. For the first time, instead of feeling overwhelmed by money, this insight into other people's stories via their blogs made me feel like, oh, you're a normal person. I'm a normal person. If you can do it, I can do it. So from that, I spent two months just voraciously reading personal finance blogs, everything, anything. I was just crushing it. And then I started implementing some of the things I learned in my own life. So even though I still had a really tiny income, I was able to pay off about $3,000 in 2014 in student loan debt. And so I was making 18,000, paid off 3,000. What specifically did you do? What were the first things that you learned? First thing I learned was to sign up for automatic withdrawals from my checking account to pay my student loans because I got a 0.25% interest reduction. So even though it was a teeny amount And even though I was scared because I didn't always have (laughs) money in the account, I signed up for it anyway and just committed to always having money in the account. I was like, I'll just find a way. If that means I have to cut back on going out, that's totally fine. If that means I have to pick up an extra shift, I'll pick up an extra shift. But I want to get that reduction so I pay less in interest and I can get out of debt faster. Okay. What other things did you do that you learned? The other biggest thing I would say was just getting organized about which debt I was paying off at a time. Because I used to just make an extra $20 payment on this loan and an extra $20 payment on that loan. And my extra payments were kind of just thrown all over the place and thus they weren't really making an impact. So I streamlined it. I used the debt avalanche payoff method and made all my extra payments on my highest interest debt. And that really started compounding quickly because an extra 20 bucks every two weeks starts to add up. And then the more money, I started also focusing on earning more. And in 2015, I made $32,000, which felt like, whew, so much money. (laughs) Um, I was able to put more towards the debt and make an extra $100 payment or something every two weeks. And it really, really started to go down quickly. So what is the lesson from this for our listeners? The biggest lesson is with the right information and the right application, you can change your life. So even if you are really low income or you're working part-time jobs or you don't have access to a lot of tools that maybe you see other people having access to, find out what works for you. So for me, again, it was signing up to get that interest reduction. It was getting very frugal. It was making more money via picking up other side hustles so that I could funnel all of that towards my debt. Okay, let's talk about your everyday money tip because this is something that I don't do But you made me think about this because I always thought it was a little bit harder than apparently it is. Yeah. So I am a big, well, I don't want to say a big, but I am becoming a big at-home cook. We're all evolving. We are all (laughs) evolving. (laughs) Um, I'm trying because I spent so long in the food service industry, I would always take home leftovers. I didn't have any cooking skills. So this year, I've really focused on making more things from scratch. And I know that sounds a little like 
oh, like bougie, like, oh, you have the time and you have the energy right. to do well, it. And not only that, it's just intimidating also because a lot of things that you think, I mean, you look around the supermarket and things are made for you. There are things, it's one thing to say, I'm not going to buy prepared food. I can cut up the cantaloupe myself. Okay. We know all, we know to do that. But a lot of things that we buy that I assume have to kind of be made in a factory apparently don't. <laughs> Definitely not. So my big thing this year has been making homemade bread, which sounds again kind of intimidating, but it's actually so Yeah, because easy. what if you don't have a bread maker? Like I don't oh, I don't even have room if I wanted to get one for a bread maker. Right. I don't have a bread maker either. You just put your flour, your yeast, your salt, and if you want to put something like oats or something in there, you just put it in a bowl, mix it all up with some water, and then you let it rise overnight. So the mixing takes two minutes max. You let it rise, and then you pop it in the oven for about 30 minutes, and boom, beautiful, delicious bread. So why does everybody feel they have to buy a bread maker? Like, what do the bread makers do? I honestly don't even know. I don't um, know. No I don't know. Idea. I hope the bread maker people don't come after us. <laughs> the bread maker lobby. <laughs> exactly. But there are appliances for every little thing that I don't think we re really necessarily need. Because that's one of my hesitations is, oh, I don't want to do that. I don't want to take out. Like, I know I can make mayonnaise myself, but you have to take out the food processor or whatever. So there's a couple other things that you're actually going to tell us how to make by ourselves without having to go to the store. Which, by the way, also, you're avoiding all the preservatives and all that yucky stuff. Yeah, it often is a healthier choice to make things at home as well as a time-saving and money-saving choice. So I also have started making pickles at home, which is, again, just literally you cut up the cucumbers, you stick them in your jar with some vinegar, some herbs, water, garlic, and then you put the top on and put it in the fridge for 12 hours, and then you got pickles. Um, Great. I would never think about that. Like All you have to do is take the cucumber and do mm -hmm. that, and then it's pickles. Yep. It's so, But we always just, I don't know, it never occurred to me. Yeah, and it one does. More. Okay, you got one more. And I make a uh, tomato sauce, which we eat a lot of pasta in my house. And so that, again, it's just kind of stewing the tomatoes, the onions, the garlic for about 30 minutes, and then boom, tomato sauce. Yeah. And by the way, I know making pasta is actually not that complicated either. It's basically just making the dough and you don't need the fancy pasta maker. You could just cut it into spaghetti or fettuccine or whatever shape you want. There's even just like little rollers that can make different shapes. So you don't need the fancy pasta machine that you therefore don't have to buy. And in my case, also, you don't have to have counter space for because I'm in an apartment. So I think that's a big thing to remember that these don't require special equipment. That's such a good, I didn't even know that. I've been intimidated to make pasta, but now maybe that'll be my goal for the next month. Make some homemade pasta. Yeah, it's it's actually pretty easy. So, all right, we will put instructions for all this stuff in the show notes. Before I let you go, tell us where people can find out more about you and your various projects and endeavors. And oh, you have a course too. We need to talk about that. Oh, yes. I have a course called Talk Money to Me, and it covers financial education 101. So the basics for investing, for paying off debt, for saving money, negotiating, and for budgeting. And so that's available on our website, which is bravelygo.co. So bravelygo.co, it rhymes. You can find us on Instagram at webravelygo. Um, we're on Facebook at webravelygo as well. And then on Twitter at bravelygo. Excellent. Everyone follow Kara and definitely listen to the Fair Sense podcast. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. This has been great. Hey, everyone. Before we get to my take on the interview, I want to share a personal story. 
I recently was in a bookstore and I saw this book that I remember loving, The 4-Hour Workweek by Tim Ferriss. I read it years ago. I wanted to remember the main points, but the truth is my memory's just not that good. And rereading it, probably not realistic given my current schedule, but I had a solution because I had recently discovered an app called Blinkist and sure enough, it was on there. So what Blinkist does is it takes books, including the four-hour workweek, and it breaks them down into manageable 15-minute-ish summaries so you can get all the knowledge that you need even if you don't have the time. I love the app so much, I reached out to Blinkist to bring them on board as a partner to the podcast. Get a free trial using my link, bobbyrebell.com forward slash Blinkist. And then please let me know how you like it and what books you are listening to. And thank you for using that link to support the show. Again, it's bobbyrebell.com forward slash Blinkist. Okay, my friends, here we go. Financial grown-up tip number one. Be proactive and take ownership of your financial challenges and don't overcomplicate them. For Kara, just having the information by Googling it and looking up the most simple stuff and then figuring out the tools to create debt repayment strategies was enough to get her on the path to success. Financial grown-up tip number two, look around your house and think about the things that we buy from the store that we don't have to buy. We already kind of have them right there, just in a different form. Maybe the labeling is different, but we basically already have them. We don't have to pay up for the fancy brand name. For example, a lot of cleaning solutions are made up by combining products you already have, sometimes just adding water. So for example, and I got this from the Good Housekeeping Institute, which I'll leave a link to in the show notes, you could mix four tablespoons of baking soda with a quart of warm water and you have a cleaning solution that works on kitchen counters, appliances, and the inside of your refrigerator so you don't need to buy separately another cleaning item, which may even have more chemicals added, who knows what, and you're keeping it simple. And if you aren't impressed with the money that you are saving doing that, which you should be in general, but okay. Think of it as keeping your home less cluttered and your to-do list shorter because you have one less product in your life. And that is, as I said, much less clutter. Just think how proud Marie Kondo would be. I will leave a link, as I mentioned, to other cleaning products that you basically already have at home. I'll leave that link in the show notes, but you already have the products in some other form. They just don't have the branding and the label so easy, guys. The show notes, by the way, are always at bobbyrebell.com forward slash financial grownup podcast. I want to hear your tips on everything we talked about here today, paying down debt, making stuff at home, just like Kara does. And like, I'm going to maybe start doing with cleaning products now that I have this information. And of course, guests and topics that you want to hear on the podcast always welcome. Be in touch on Instagram at bobbyrebell1, on Twitter at bobbyrebell, and get on our newsletter list by going to bobbyrebell.com and there is a handy pop-up window. There's also all kinds of buttons you can press to sign up for the newsletter. While you are on social media, hopefully following me, you can also follow Kara at Twitter at BravelyGo and on Instagram at WeBravelyGo. And big thanks to Kara for helping us all be financial grownups. Financial Grown Up with Bobby Rebel is edited and produced by Steve Stewart and is a BRK Media production.